0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. And tonight, all glory to the Hypnotoad as TCU looks to knock off defending national champion Georgia. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk about the Vikings and why Sunday's game ended up being more important than you realize and how this team will project forward to making a potential Super Bowl run. Welcome to The Real Forno Show.
1: Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire, betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, as well as a member of Climbing the
0: Pocket. Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Fornes. With me in the top right corner, his name is producer Dave. Dave, the Vikings won 13 games for the third time in franchise history. How do you feel about it? Hey, I'm quite
1: happy. It's it's been a very entertaining season. My heart may not like parts of it, but it's been an entertaining season. And the fact that they won 13 games is wonderful. They're in the... They're in the race. They are going to host a playoff game, and we can't ask for more.
0: Absolutely, and the Vikings are in the playoffs. But first, we do have the national championship tonight, Dave, and it kicks off in a half an hour with the TCU Horn Frogs. All hail toad taking on the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia, depending on the sports book, is between a twelve and a half and thirteen and a half point favorite tonight. I know, D- Dave, college football isn't necessarily your forte because you are a Vikings man, but what do you think going into tonight's game?
1: Uh, I think for uh, the folks around here in the local area, they want to see TCU win and then everybody call off work tomorrow because, as they said on the radio, it's not UT, but it is a Texas team, and we know how the Texans love their football. So... I'm going to be. I'll bandwagon this and hop on and root for TCU tonight.
0: Hey, I've I've got money on TCU. I got him at plus thirteen and a half. And I'll be honest. If you, uh, if you subscribed to the fantasy points bowl guide, you would have seen that I picked TCU to win. I think they're going to beat Georgia, and I don't have a lot of metric evidence to back that up, other than. They took it to Michigan. And Michigan plays a very similar style to what Georgia is. And there are a lot of people that wanted Michigan versus Georgia. I wanted TCU, Ohio State. We were this close. Actually, we were like this close to getting Georgia against T- or sorry, Ohio State against TCU. But I will settle for TCU against Georgia. We had some tremendous playoff football on New Year's Eve. And I expect we're going to have a tremendous football game tonight. TCU can play defense. They can score on anybody, and they have a quarterback in Max Duggan who not only is he gritty and tough, but he can carry this team. And he did so multiple times this year when they really needed him. Against Michigan, they started the whole game strong, and they never relinquished the lead. I don't think that's going to happen here, but I am never counting out Hypnotoad. And Sonny Dykes is one of the best coaches in college football. It's going to be a really fun game. But as much as I would love to talk about this game all night, we do have some Vikings to talk about. And I will apologize beforehand. There's a chance the show runs short. I do have COVID-19, and my voice is not 100%. I'm going to go as long as I can. Dave, let's talk about Sunday. The Chicago Bears, we beat them 29-13. to It would have been a three-score win if Greg Joseph knew how to hit an extra point. But he still has those struggles. Luckily, it didn't impact the game. It did not impact the spread, and it did not impact the over-under. It didn't impact anything. He didn't lose us a game all season.
1: He missed some kicks, but he didn't lose us a game. And, Davey, to answer your question, first off, thanks for watching. I am drinking uh, Wild Turkey 101 Rye. It is the very last of my bottle. I need to go to the liquor store and stock back up.
0: Yeah, it's a... Wild Turkey is really good stuff. But one thing I wanted to talk about uh, with this Chicago Bears game, it was very important. You had a really successful first half. But there are two things I want to talk about. One, second off, we're going to talk about the backups. But first, I want to talk about Kevin O'Connell. I'm getting really frustrated and concerned about his in-game management. its I'm not seeing nearly enough adjustments when things are going bad. And you have multiple games of evidence um, you saw the, the issues that Kirk was having with those high-low reads against Philly. He kept calling them, and what happened? More interceptions. The Dallas Cowboys, things went off the rails early. I didn't see any um, changes to pass protections. I didn't see enough um, adjustments on defense to stop what the Cowboys were doing. They're just There weren't in-game adjustments well enough in order to consider things to be a success. Would you consider
1: this, would you chop that up to being a rookie head coach and that things will get better over time?
0: Here's why I have concerns, Dave. You're right. He's a rookie head coach. But I'm seeing the same things over and over again. I'm seeing things start to repeat. That's where my concern lies. The Lions game and Packers games both showed those too. Hell, I went on a rant last week about it. And I wrote a piece on it for the Vikings Wire. The fact that they had to learn that they needed to wear seven stud cleats is a—it's an, an institutional failure. You have the, some of these guys have been playing at Lambeau Field for a decade, and you—you you, you're just learning. Oh, it's midway through the second quarter. Oh, we we better change our shoes. No, that's a failure, and it starts at the top. You know. I'm yeah, but it, I kind of guy.
1: I would also say the the players that have played there for the last 10 years and especially the Packers players Zadarius, Sullivan, etc. should be Hey guys, you want to wear these cleats tonight because this is going to be crap fielding. Now, should Taylor C have said, "Yes, listen to your captains, that's what you should wear and there's a reason for it." and explain why, that it gives more grip, more purchase, and you're less likely to slip. But did that happen? No. But like I said, rookie coach, does he learn from it?
0: I don't know if he's going to learn from it fast enough, at least this year. Mm-hmm. This might be a situation where you have to self-scout over the offseason to really figure these things out. Is it frustrating? Yeah. Yeah. But it, you're gonna go through struggles with a regular head coach. It's not gonna be Tony Dungy goes to the Indianapolis Colts wins the Super Bowl. It's not gonna be John Gruden goes to the Bucs and wins the Super Bowl. Those were all second time um head coaches. Yes, Davey, Odie's behaving himself. He's behind me with uh, what's called a licky mat. And you take some natural peanut butter. The stuff that's like has the oil like separates from it, and you spread it over the mat, and it it like stimulates his brain and Look, he gets peanut butter, and I, I get peace. It's it's a win win. for me. It works. <laughs> I I love the dog, but I need I need some peace. Um, yeah, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Um, oh yeah, Kevin O'Connell. The, my big thing is you're get you're gonna have these struggles, and he's gonna have to learn. But I would have wanted to see a little more growth in these areas by now, and I we're not seeing it. Um, I am willing to change my mind with more data, and we'll see how he handles the playoffs because how he bungled the end of that first half. You can blame Kirk Cousins for making the throw. I'd give him about 30% of the blame. Kevin O'Connell should be running a route concept that has no checkdowns where that could happen. That's, a, that's on the coach. That's on the play caller.
1: Well, even Kirk admitted to it after fact. He goes, I shouldn't have checked down on that play. Mm-hmm. But, That's his default setting. That's what he's known his whole career. He's trying to get out of that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, if that's a play anywhere else on the field, that may be the case, but not then, not where they were located and not at that time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it just kind of is what it is at this point. Um, I'm, What's, what's really tough for me is I'm kind of ragging on Kevin O'Connell for winning 13 games. But what's really interesting is of all the coaching candidates that were talked about, I, there were two I really didn't want. The first one, I did want nothing to do with Nathaniel Hacken, and I was right. And I want to be wrong here because the, another one I didn't want was Kevin O'Connell. And you can go back, and I, I was very open about the fact that he was um, the, my least favorite um, of all those coaching candidates. And it, it had nothing to do with the fact that I didn't think O'Connell's a good coach. I just thought there were much better options out there. And my number one option is going to be playing on Sunday. That's Brian Dayball. Dayball, I believe, deserves coach of the year because he has maximized the talent on that team. Daniel Jones is a meh quarterback. He's meh. He's average. Nothing really special about him. But he's maximized what he's been able to do with him and a bunch of receivers you'd find at 7-Eleven. Like, this Giants team is no joke, and without Brian O'Neal, it's going to be a lot harder to pass protect Kirk Cousins. They have two really good edge rushers. They have really good interior pressure. And Wink Martindale loves to blitz, and he's very, very good at it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to figure out what kind of creative blitzes he's going to have and protect. It's going to be very difficult, Dave.
1: Yeah, we saw it three weeks ago when they played the Giants.
0: Yeah, 100%. This is going to be a difficult football game. Um, Going into the week, DraftKings, um, it opened up as... er, Sorry, the Vikings opened up as a three-point favorite. 94% of the money on early bets, from the public money, that is, went to the Giants. There's not a belief in this team in the playoffs. And I don't know how much of that is... Warranted and how much of it is not because I'm not actually talking to these betters. But I'll tell you this I'm not super concerned about it. Nobody's believed in this team all year. Hell, it took me to like week eight to really believe in this team because a lot of those wins early were a little fluky, a little weird. I'll take and a 13 and be, four fraud. Yeah. Yeah. And then they became less fluky. Hey, well, you know what? They kept they, doing uh, let, it. Let's start here, Dave. The ninth-ranked DVOA Green Bay Packers did not make the playoffs. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Did you know that? I did know DVOA. that. I was they
1: watching didn't... that game. I thought it was fantastic in the fourth quarter. That was they great.
0: Did not make the playoffs. Oh my goodness! Oh,
1: and I saw the perfect meme this afternoon. I almost clipped it for the show. Started out with Aaron Rodgers going R E, and then uh. Alliance player saying T I R E, and that very well may happen. He may retire. Uh, too evil to hope. Uh, I think it was that posted up. We should start working on uh, getting Rogers next. I don't think he's going to last that long. I think he's going to go right off into the sunset.
0: i think but he's done. That's just me. I really do. Um, I think he's done. It's. He's been doing jersey swaps nonstop, Uh and all of a sudden, he just uh, tells Jameson Williams, no, I'm keeping this one. Uh Look, you can read into things, and we can be dumb and go down that road. But let's also just be honest with ourselves, Dave. You don't decide to keep that jersey unless it's either your last game in a Packers uniform or your last game in an NFL uniform. He's owed $58.3 million if he stays. Like, that money guarantees um, if he ends up staying. Right. So it's a lot to turn down. But Aaron Rodgers has always been a quirky dude. He's made a lot of money. Not just from the NFL, but from State Farm. State Farm's probably paid him just as much as the Green Bay Packers at this point. Let's be honest here. Uh,
1: And it's not like he, if he wants to go in and do something else, he's not going to be hired. I'm sure he could mm-hmm. step into a broadcast booth anywhere.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Rodgers, but enough about the ninth-ranked DVOA Green Bay Packers who failed to make the playoffs. We're, we're here to talk about our Minnesota Vikings, who won the NFC North and finished 4-2 and two in the division and finished with a positive record, but they did not finish with a positive point differential, and that's an interesting element of this game. This is, per Kevin Seifert, the fourth time in NFL history that two teams with a negative point differential meet in the playoffs. The Vikings with a negative three-point differential. Last year, they were at a negative one-point differential. And they only scored one less point than they did last year, and they allowed one more point than they did last year. So all this talk about how this is pretty much the same team, other than their actual finishing record, A lot of the metrics say they're pretty much the same team, which is kind of fascinating. Um, This is going to be an interesting game. Um, We talked a lot about this uh, Giants team last week. Um, Not last week, a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry. Um, A few weeks, three weeks. I don't don't feel good. My brain is is absolutely (laughs) toast right now. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not on any drugs. I just have COVID. It's, it's just in a fog. Um, to me, that's kind of the big thing here, right, Dave? Mm-hmm. We've seen this team before, and Harrison Phillips said so earlier today. Look, it's really hard to beat a team twice in a year. We saw that with the Lions. We saw that with the Packers. Now we get the Giants. The Giants are not an easy football team. They were down 16-3 to against the, the Eagles, and they crawled back. They didn't get the win but they sure as hell tried. Well,
1: it's in every wild card game this weekend, a team is replaying somebody they played this week or played this season. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is tougher, but it's not impossible. And I I think Vikings favored by 3 is a legitimate line. I don't it doesn't seem like it's you know, like like it's not unach it's not uh unachievable. It's easily achieved and easily beaten. It all depends how the offensive line is going to do against those blitzes and the mentality of Kirk and his weapons coming out and racking up some points. If they can do that and has said by numerous people in the comments, play four full quarters, they can beat
0: anybody. Yeah. Dave, that's a really good point. Um, I am I'm very fascinated to see how these two teams match up, and one of the things I really want to see, I, I'm going into this game with the assumption Garrett Bradbury will not play. And that's because he has not practiced since he, re, uh, he re-aggravated the back injury um, the, day, the night of the Colts game because he got into a minor car wreck. Now, thankfully, everyone was okay. We've been over that before. But Chris Reed Chris Reed is going to be fine. You saw improvements with the snap cadence. You, saw, you did not see any major mistakes, and they're working on it. And I think that's a net positive. The reason why we were talking about Chris Reed being a better center than Garrett Bradbury for the preseason is what he is is a blocker. And he mm-hmm. showed that. He's a good blocker. And it was also really nice, and we'll kind of loop it into here. The, uh, excuse me, um, what, am I, what was I talking about? Chris um, Reed. Oh, Chris Reed.
1: Yeah, pass um, blocking. He did well. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, you had Darian Lowe and Kyle Hinton um, finally get their first regular season snaps. Now, Low didn't grade out super well. I thought he played pretty good football. Um, it, so the way PFL. F- algorithms shape up it's kind of weird and I don't fully understand it but his his, uh, pass blocking grade was like a 44 his run blocking grade was a 63 his overall grade was a 35.1 I don't understand how it makes sense I don't get it but you punch in the numbers and that's what happens so what I find interesting though is they got these guys snaps and the offense was able to move the ball obviously it felt like a preseason game the Vikings were terrible in the preseason. This looked pretty competent. And I want to I bury the lead here. Jalen Naylor had a couple pretty good games. Look, he's not wide receiver, too. He should not be getting a lot of meaningful snaps at this point. You have your three guys. Naylor is still learning. He's getting opportunities when it doesn't matter. You don't want to give him a lot of run when it matters right now because I don't think he's ready for it. Could he be next year? But we, we need to pump the brakes. He's not at that level right now.
1: Warren, uh, just because Bradbury's out does not mean we're doomed. I agree with you on that one. This line can play together. If they can play together cohesively and get most of their stops when it comes to pass blocking, because even the best in the league give up pressures and an occasional sack. But if they could do that Cohesively and play decent most of the game. Vikings can score points, and as long as they're oh, yeah. continuing to score points regularly and often,
0: Vikings are going to win. Yeah, hundred percent, Dave. This this team is going to be interesting as far as how they end up approaching this game. If they're going to have Bradbury, if they're going to have Chris Reed, what I really want to see is how often they use twelve personnel. Because in the playoffs, it's a whole different animal. And one of the things they have not done a lot of is 12 personnel. A couple times they have done it. They did it against the Patriots when they did not have Christian Derrissaw. And I wonder if they game plan for it against the Giants because they have Irsabeth Jr. back and they don't have Brian O'Neal. Yeah, but Johnny Mott's a better pass
1: blocker than Irv Smith was.
0: Yeah, but you weren't asking Johnny Munt to in that game to block a lot. It was mainly chips. It was mainly like a second and pass off. It was basically to let Blake Brandle get 100% set before he ended up taking on like Matt Judon and Josh Uche. And it worked. The Vikings allowed one sack. They did not allow a lot of um, outside pressure. And I think you can do that same thing with Irv Smith and TJ Hawkinson. Um, One thing that really intrigues me with it is Irv Smith is like an extra receiver and how he runs his routes, how he attacks down the field. The Vikings could really use that, right? And especially if you're going to take Osborne or Thielen off the field, now you still have a legitimate threat as a receiver. And with this 11 personnel offense, you can kind of treat Irv Smith Jr. like a slot. Or T.J. Hawkinson as a power slot. And I think that could be a really interesting angle for this team and how to attack the New York Giants. We'll see. We will see. Um, One thing that also really intrigues me, Dave, about this game, I want to see what the interior does against Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. They had some struggles, but they also won. And the running game, I think, needs to be a priority, and I don't think it should just be zones. I want to see counters. I want to see misdirections. <clears throat> I want to see Dexter Lawrence um get just fooled because he's he's uh just streamlining one way and then you go the other way. Like get these guys thinking. If you get a defender thinking, you win because they're not reacting. They're thinking about what to do. And I think that can be a really big thing when you're going against some of these really good interior players. And I'm very intrigued to see how it all works out. I agree. Now,
1: for running back, I think Alexander Madison had a great day against Chicago. And when you talk about zone or gap style running and power running, when we get close and we need a few yards, when we get in the red zone, I want to hand it off to Madison. Cook just hasn't been seeming to me to hack it. Lately, mm-hmm. and uh, if they can maximize that 1A, 1B swap of those running backs, and KOC today called Madison a quasi-starter, I think, uh, I think they can maximize the run better against the Giants, and they need to. They can uh, they take advantage of that, along with the pass. Now, I'm not saying run to set up the pass we're probably going to pass to set up the run but use it effectively and intelligently and hopefully both running backs have a great day hopefully Dalvin Cook is full of emotion and he just goes
0: off yeah Um, I'm worried about Dalvin Cook and I'll be honest I don't think Dalvin Cook's on this football team next year I really don't Um, he continues to fumble the football he has he tied Alvin Kamara for the most fumbles by a non-quarterback. He has that sh- lingering shoulder issue. Look, he, he had a cumulative, solid year running the football. Outside of like two or three games where he looked really good, he was average. Like, I'm, I'm not paying this guy like $13 million in the cap next year. I'm just not. And I think you need to move on from him. Maybe see if you can find somebody that wants to trade for him. It's too bad McVay might be leaving the Rams because that sounds like it could have been an option. Um, hypothetically speaking, I don't know anything. I don't have any sources on it, but I think you need to move on from Cook. I really do. It's a, it's a position you don't want to pay a lot of money to. It's a player that's often injured and not helping you nearly as much as they should. Um, and the Vikings are right now in negative cap space. They are going to have to do something. I wouldn't be shocked if... And this is getting ahead of ourselves. If you see all four of these guys gone next year—Dalvin Cook, Eric Kendricks, Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith—they're going to have to do some stuff on the cap, and they're going to want to continue to bring in influx of talent. Dave, here's—I—I I don't necessarily think it's going to happen like that, but you're going to have to clear cap space. Quasi mm-hmm. Adolfo Mensa is going to want to continue to put this imprint on it, his imprint on this team. And one of the easiest way to do so is get rid of the old guard. Quite frankly, all four of those guys did not perform well compared to, one, expectations, and two, what they did last year. Well, so That's Harrison
1: could, Smith did all right.
0: Harrison with. Smith, I didn't see nearly enough good out of Harrison Smith. I, I didn't see any bad, but I didn't see him. He wasn't making those same kind of plays. Like They had multiple interceptions.
1: And part of that, why you weren't seeing it, is he wasn't coming down in the box like we're used to all the time. He was told to stay back there and babysit the secondary mm-hmm. at the back end. Um, but I don't see
0: yeah.
1: Smith. I don't see Smith going anywhere. I don't. I. I agree with you that Cook probably is uh, going to be gone. Kendricks. M- m- probably gone he looks obviously slower but he did lead the team in tackles this year and uh, and there's some other old ones i think you'd bring back peterson on a one-year deal if he's willing um relatively low money but yes they are going to look to free up some money so they can do other things and it's going to be on the defense mainly for the defense um Obviously Dalvin Cook is on the offensive side of the ball, but I think we've got two good running backs under contract and you can pick up more cheap and I think we'll be fine there. As for Adam Thielen, um, I think they're going to keep him one more year because of his contract.
0: Yeah, it's... there's there's a lot that's going to happen this offseason. I don't want to jump too far ahead of ourselves. I'm I've got fog brain, and I'm just kind of all over the place right now. Ooh. It's it's a little rough here, but um, let's get back to the Giants. Um, one thing that they're going to need to do on defense, they're going to have to stop those. Um, they're going to have to stop what's called the quick game. Quick game is short timing routes to get the ball out quickly. Daniel Jones thrived on it against the Vikings the first go around. Those little slant routes, the outs, getting Richie James in space, those – those were kind of deadly to the Vikings kept moving the football if you keep moving the football against this team you can eventually get in the red zone Vikings are much better in the red zone
1: well but that, I but think, think that's part of the Donatelle shell defense they're giving up stuff short at uh, okay. um, it's the cost of not giving up stuff deep. Mm-hmm.
0: But when you have Daniel Jones, don't you want to maybe focus a little more on just getting rid of the short stuff? You don't want to abandon the deep stuff, but like to me, you need or take it needs chances.
1: To you know, calling, you know, bringing a safety into the box or uh, mixing it up a bit so you keep him confused as to which is which.
0: Have Patrick Peterson play press. Have Duke Shelley just get all up in in these guys' Kool Aid. And just have some fun. Like, I, I want to see some evolution. I want to see some – I I want to see something different from Donatel. Now, I'm going to go back and look at – I'm going to go back and look at some of the tape if I have some time this week from that game. And it's – the Vikings could just be better. And I want to see it. The last two – the Vikings have played the Giants two times in my lifetime in the playoffs. One of those was 1997, which is one of my favorite games of all time—the wild card game where the Vikings ended up coming to, back from a 19 to three deficit and winning 23-22 in the Meadowlands. With I think and 41
1: uh, donut. <clears throat> uh, the wild card game you were talking about—who uh, had it? He had a interception, a punt return, and oh, he had a trifecta
0: on that game. No, you're thinking of a different game. Um, okay. There was a Vikings game they won. I think it was 24-3 to in New York. They had a kick return, uh, a punt return, and an interception return for a touchdown. The punt return right. was Marcus Scherls. The That interception return was um, Darren Sharper. I do not remember the kick return.
1: Uh, I remember it was against Eli. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we won't get into the 41 donut. They cheated, so.
0: Yeah, you're damn right they did. Um, listen, it's it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I think it's the least sexy of the four matchups. Listen, as a football fan, I wanted to play the Lions. I wanted it for some way, somehow to come down where the Cardinals beat the Niners and then the Lions got into the playoffs and we got to host them here because that <laughs> sounds like fun. Not necessarily going to be easy, but it'll be fun. And the Lions obviously showed, up, showed off what fun football is this past weekend um, against the Packers, the ninth-ranked team, in mean, DVOA, who did not make the playoffs. Um, oh, did I say that again? My bad. Look, this is, this is not a, a very sexy matchup because the, the Giants are in a very sexy team, but they have tremendous coaching. They have a really good front office now, and this is a team that's going to be dangerous when they truly figure out what they want to do with the quarterback position. And if they get improvement there, plus hey, maybe get some weapons around Daniel Jones. Like I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm thinking like too positively, but <laughs> it's it's just one of those things. Um, you wanted
1: to talk about KJ <coughs> Osborne and his finish to the season. What's your take yeah. on how strong he finished?
0: I still don't think he's a high end wide receiver too, in this league. I don't. But I'm more impressed with what I'm seeing as of late because I'm seeing a lot more effort. I'm seeing, like, there's just a guy who, it's kind of related to Rudy. Like, the like the walk-on kid who's never given a chance just busts his ass all the time. Osborne has some of that in him. And you can see when he gets the ball in his hands, he's always fighting for that extra inch. I love that. Yeah, it hasn't cost us yet either. There have been no fumbles. But I I think that you can rely on him a little more. Um, I like how he's emerged. He's getting more comfortable. I don't know like I think after 2023, somebody's just gonna give him a bunch of money and you just let say, hey, enjoy the money, man. I don't think you can pay him. <clears throat> but I do think that he's been playing much better football as of late, and I think that's a net positive for the Vikings.
1: Well, yeah Best case, use the heck out of them on the way to the Super Bowl.
0: You're dang right. Um Dave, I think I'm gonna have to call it quits. I'm I'm losing it here, but um listen, this is this is gonna be a very oh all right, hold on, we're gonna call it quits after this. Thank you, Joseph. I wrote about this. <coughs> Sorry, you gotta clear my throat of the COVID. Tanner McKee. Imagine Daniel Jones. If he had a little brother, and that's Tanner McKee. <laughs> I, I I don't want to bury Mike Renner. He is a very nice person, and he works incredibly hard. I don't get what he sees in him. He has him as like a top three quarterback. I don't get Tanner McKee. I don't think he's that good. And oh. the Vikings taking a quarterback in round one, I think it's fine. Tanner McKee in round one? <laughs> <Big> <laughs>
1: From first. what I'm seeing... In my and I've started to start compiling stuff, your lists. I've looked at PFF et cetera, and listened to other people talk about this draft class. Quarterback is not the strength of this draft class. Um, rarely is it the strength of any draft class, and that's why a lot of these guys get over evaluate or overvalued and drafted higher than they should actually go. You're yep. telling me that Tanner McKee. Uh, Sounds like one of those guys that is uh, more likely a third-rounder.
0: Honestly, if, that sounds about right.
1: If everything was the <laughs> same. Yeah. Warren, yes, it it's too better. early for us to talk about the draft. However, behind the scenes, we are already starting to prepare because we know we have to be ready in the buildup to it uh it's last season after week 18 we were into start the draft talk and start coach searches and all that stuff happened on but we build up to our live draft show and it takes us time to build up we're gathering we're going to have stuff that comes up tyler will go down and be at the Senior Bowl in Alabama. He's going to be getting game film, and he does evaluations for his draft side of this house. As you see in the in the roll-in, he has paying jobs that he does that for a living. So Tyler is doing that. I'm also working on compiling who's good, who's not. So when it to- comes to our live draft show, which is, We love when we have you guys on because it's absolutely fabulous. And you don't have to listen to the blah, blah, blah on TV. Let's cut to so-and-so and and see what suit he's wearing. We're talking Vikings stuff and what they need, and we're talking players. It takes time to grab all that together. That's why it's coming up now because two-thirds of the league right now, they're into thinking about the draft. We're going to need to catch up, hopefully, in February, right, late in february but until then we're still doing work behind the scenes and we talk to each other every once in a while on that and that's why it pops up every once in a while when pff says we need to get this guy or that guy that's why it pops up
0: yeah um i've already done i've already finalized 14 different reports you'll be able to find all of them at the vikings wire um you can check out uh my pinned tweet, um, there's a, a Google sheet that you can just click on and um, there's each each person that I finished is on the big board and, and then I have different tabs for each position. Each scouting report is linked in there, so you can just click it and go read it. Um, it makes it pretty easy, super user friendly. Um, we're going to talk more and more about it, but if you don't get if you get started after this season, You're too late. you got to start before, and that's why I've already been doing reports as the season goes on to make sure I stay ahead of the game because I'm going to try to get to 200 guys. Um, When I was working a full-time job uh, a couple years ago, I was able to get to 93, and I was very proud of that. But this year, we're shooting for a full 200. I want to get to a lot of different guys so we can get you up-to-date stats and then we can – and I won't be on the show full-time, but I will be on plenty to talk about these guys. And We're going to have a lot of fun in doing so. In the meantime, Dave, um, let's let's get the people out of here so they can go watch Hypnotoad beat those dogs. Um, what what do we have going on in the network this week?
1: Uh, this week we have, on Wednesday, Vikings Happy Hour, and our special guest will be the great, wonderful Flip Mozzie. Then Thursday we should have Flip and um, – Eric Thompson of The Daily Norseman, back at it with Viking Hot Takes, as far as I know. Then comes Saturday, two old bloggers, myself and Darren, will be coming to you live two hours early. We're going to go live at 2 o'clock on Saturday, so that we get the show in in time for you to watch and not miss a minute of Super Wild Card Weekend!
0: It's hey, you know what? It is going to be a fun one, Dave. And in the meantime, thank you all for tuning in. I'm sorry I could only get a 40 minute show in tonight. I am just I'm at the end of COVID, and it's well. You get better. I'm grab something.
1: To- grab something to drink. Lay on the couch. Watch that football game. And enjoy yourselves. What do we say?